Your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. I'm Mark Haywood alongside Michael Stewart. He is the founder of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial with an office there in Crystal Lake, Illinois. You can find him online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Or you can reach out and call the office at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. Michael has his MBA in finance and is a registered financial consultant. He co-authored a book, Purpose-Based Investing, Nine Lessons to Rescue Your Retirement from Wall Street. That's available on Amazon. And he's got about two decades of experience as a financial planner, which is why we're so excited to have him on this podcast, as we always are. We've got some great notes today, Michael. We're excited to dive into it with you. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent, Mark. I'm very happy New Year to you. Yes, a happy New Year to you. At the time of this recording, it's early January, meaning it's cold. Very, very cold. I hope <laughs> I hope if you're listening to this, it's either maybe in July or maybe you're on a beach somewhere. But regardless, it's cold today, so we're indoors. But that's all right, because we have a lot to talk about. So let's dive in and kick it off with a bit of news. Extra, extra, read all about it. Michael David Walker, former Comptroller General of the United States, the Comptroller General, that's like a Seinfeld term if you've ever seen that episode of Seinfeld, (laughs) Uh, but he says that federal spending is completely out of control, and get this, that there's no party of fiscal responsibility in America anymore. Some strong words he has there. Michael, are there any financial planning implications to this in your mind? Yeah, first and foremost, I couldn't agree with David Walker anymore. There isn't, whether it's Democrats, independents, Republicans, there is no fiscal responsibility in America as far as government spending goes. And we haven't had any in probably two decades. But as far as financial implications, absolutely on the financial planning side. For the last 20 years, the federal government's just kicked the can down the road, expecting future generations today to pay basically for today's consumption. This does have huge financial planning implications, and it actually threatens the very idea of a comfortable retirement in the future, and here's why. Let's consider the federal government kind of like a family household. In this household, they spend too much for things today, and they just put it on their credit card and say, oh, we'll pay for it later. Now, the government's doing this by having increased our federal debt from $7 trillion just 10 years ago to over $21 trillion today, and you can find that information on usdebtclock.org, and it'll scare the bejesus out of you. So think about this. The U.S. government in a time frame of a near decade-long economic expansion coming off the financial crisis has actually tripled the national debt, not paid it down, but actually tripled it. So what do you think is going to happen when the economy slows or we go into that inevitable recession? But I digress. That's a topic for a later date. Basically, spending more today and paying for it in the future is never a problem until it is. There's always a day of reckoning. So if I go back to that household analogy, you know, think about what debt is. Debt is receiving a benefit today and borrowing from future income to pay for it. So if the income isn't substantially higher in the future, then you or we, in the case of U.S. citizens, we have to spend less in the future to pay for the debts that we racked up that we got ourselves into today. So we could afford it until we couldn't. And that's how the game kind of ends and falls apart. And why this is a game changer for retirement is really twofold. First, in order to pay these debts, the government's going to need to either cut services raise taxes, or both. And second, 
According to IRS's own reports, 50% of all income taxes today are paid by the top 10% of households, and 90% of all income taxes are paid by the top 25%. So only a quarter of the population pays 90% of all the taxes. So if you add to this, reports also show that the average household 401k balance is about $50,000, only $50,000 for those over 50. And a recent bank rate survey stated that less than 10% of Americans, if they had a financial situation come up, an emergency that had a bill of $5,000, less than 10% would actually have the money in savings to cover it. So in the very near future, where is the government going to get the money to pay for these debts? And that $21 trillion I mentioned of government debt, it doesn't even include Social Security and Medicare being unfunded. Otherwise, those numbers would be well over $100 trillion. Now think about it. Are they going to get the money from the 90% of the population that doesn't really have any money or the 10% that does? And that's why we discuss with clients how to position these assets now to pay some taxes now on retirement accounts like your IRAs and your 401ks while taxes are historically low and reposition them from kind of that forever taxed bucket to the never taxed in the future. So when the government does come knocking on your door and they're forced to raise taxes to cover these ballooning debts and all these deficits, a majority of clients' assets will already be tax-free and out of the government's reach. Now, the caveat to that is those planning for retirement need to be proactive and actually plan ahead. Otherwise, the opportunity for tax planning and not being hurt by this kind of outlandish government spending and deficits and debts are going to wind up hurting them rather than using it as an opportunity to move forward. Yeah, it certainly be interesting to see what happens in the future. And I don't know that you mentioned this, but also the current tax bill or tax law, I should say now, expires in another 10 years, meaning that something is most likely going to have to happen, especially as debt continues to rise. No, absolutely. The uh, Jobs Cut and Tax Act that was passed made corporate cuts permanent, but temporary cuts expire in 2025 for consumers, so for individuals. So that's why, you know, we've got about six years to really do any kind of strategic tax planning. And that's assuming that, you know, the new Democratic House, you know, if they get control of the presidency, they might actually roll back those tax cuts long before 2025 after the next presidential election. So it's one of the reasons why we want to be proactive and do the things that we can do over the next few years while that still is a tax planning opportunity. Certainly. Taxes are on sale, as they say right now. And so you need to take advantage of that. And of course, your accountant can help you with tax filing, which you also do. You have a CPA there. It's a one-stop shop in your office. But also tax planning is an important element of retirement planning. It will truly affect your overall retirement plan, your investments. And who knows, you could be able to save on taxes in retirement. Oh, exactly. You know, what we tell clients, you know, and that's the way we built a practice is not only, of course, do we do financial planning, investment management, but we've got three enrolled agents, a CPA, a paralegal, all that on staff. You know, a lot of times you mentioned on the podcast here, but the reason that we do it is you just think about proactive tax planning in general. For every dollar that you can save in taxes, that's a dollar in your pocket. You know, so that has more impact than what's the market doing today or, you know, yesterday, did it go up, did it go down? If we can save you a dollar or thousands of dollars on your taxes, that's real money in your pocket today. Well, Michael, as always, thank you for sharing your insight on a recent bit of news. Certainly interesting to see how 
taxes play out, how the debt clock pays out. There is a real debt clock, by the way. You can go online to that U.S. debt clock. Don't worry, it's not a tinfoil hat thing. It's real, but um, you can get lost in the weeds and the big page of numbers. So just generally know that taxes right now are low. They could be rising in the future. We can't predict the future, and it's important to plan accordingly in your investment strategy. Michael, now let's move on and take a question from one of our listeners. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, it is time for the mailbag. We'd love to hear from you. As I said at the beginning of the program, crystallaketax.com. That's Michael's website. And we encourage you to go there and submit a question. Who knows? Your question could be featured in our mailbag segment on the show. We love taking your email questions. We want to hear from you. If you're nervous, don't worry. We can change your name or a couple of key details just so that we can protect your identity and all that good stuff. But we love hearing from you and love being able to answer your questions. So this week, we'll take a question from Angie. She's an Algonquin. And Angie says, I'm retiring at 60, but would like to delay the start of my social security until I'm at least 66. But is it unwise for me to live solely off my savings for that many years? Thanks for writing in, Angie. Yeah, Angie, it's not unwise at all, as long as you're prepared. You know, and I think anything that we discuss, it's really about being proactive and preparing and understanding what you're getting yourself into and the pros and cons associated with it. Now, the one caveat I'll kind of give you before I go into this, since we have a variety of different scenarios with the various listeners that we have, is keep in mind that anything that we talk about, it's personal and unique to your individual circumstances. So whether it's your investment advisor, tax advisor, whomever it is, just make sure that you get the information specific to your situation. So Angie, for you, the way that I look at it is, no, it's not unwise at all. Here's the steps, and I'll give you an example that we've set this up with a few clients recently that maybe have a large cash balance that's been you know, building up in savings, sitting out on the side, or basically a lot of non-retirement balances. So typically, here's what we do when they want to retire early. And, you know, we make sure we've got health care. You know, those are whole different debates and those things. But we want to delay Social Security. But at the same time, we want to take advantage of kind of what we're doing. So one of the things might be, let's say we need $50,000 a year and we've got $300,000 sitting in kind of cash sitting on the side. So an example would be, okay, you know, what's our sleep at night number? And that's the number that I tell clients is how much do you want to have left in savings at the end of the day? Just that you have peace of mind knowing that that sleep at night so you can sleep at night, that money is still left in the bank. So here's the example. So let's say, Angie, you need $50,000 a year. And so regardless of interest rates and those kind of things and rate of returns, let's just assume that if you had $300,000 in the bank and you want to keep at least $50,000 at the end, then we have $250,000 that we could pull income out of. And so just out of that, without touching any of your retirement savings or claiming Social Security. So that's going to bridge us about five or six years that you could basically use savings as income instead of having to take money out of your retirement accounts or claim social security. But that's not where the story ends though. So kind of put my tax planner hat on for a moment here because of the practice that we have, the other conversation that we begin to say is, okay, we've got enough cash on the side to bridge you to social security at 66, so you'll get the full retirement age benefit. But now what are we gonna do over those six years? So part of what we're gonna do is saying, since we have no taxable income, because that $50,000 you're taking out of savings is after-tax money, we basically can use the tax brackets in our favor. And depending on kind of your own situation in that, but basically we could move somewhere between forty dollars and $160,000 a year from that forever taxed bucket in your traditional IRAs and your 401ks that you're going to eventually have to pay taxes on 
into Roth IRAs and those kind of tax-free buckets if it makes sense and utilize what we talked about earlier, those lower tax rates today by shifting some of that money, pay a little bit of taxes at historically low tax rates today so that going forward, that money's gonna be tax-free when you decide to take it out in the future. So there's a lot of things that you can do that might say, hey, I'm in this tax bracket. You know, when we start shifting some of that money from taxed forever to tax never, but at the same time, the amount of tax that you actually pay, we can keep that into the low teens to low single digits. And then by the time we even get to social security, we've moved a large chunk of that tax liability out of those plans. So we've not only kind of bridged you to social security so you could delay taking your benefits, but now you've got a far more tax efficient tax-free portfolio. So there's a lot of things that you can do to your original question. No, it's not wrong. There's just a lot of opportunities that are available if you've put yourself in that position. Well, thanks for writing in, Angie. Of course, if you'd like a more detailed response to your question, you can always come in, sit down for a chat with Michael at the office. He'd love to speak with you more in depth about your situation. Michael, let's move on now to the main topic of the show today and talk about the 50 shades of gray area in your portfolio. Don't worry, we're not talking about the movie or the book and we're going to keep it appropriate. But not everything in the financial world is black and white. In fact, most things aren't black and white really in life. There's usually a lot of gray area. Let's identify some of the issues that usually require that nuanced discussion. So as an example, Michael, should you pay off your house early or should you not? I know for folks who have just retired or preparing to retire, maybe just have a couple years left on the house. That's a big discussion. Uh, Absolutely. It's a huge discussion. So typically, you know, I would kind of break into one or two different types of clients because the answer is going to be completely different. So if you are, let's say, fortunate enough that you're in your 40s, you're in your early 50s, and you're saying, you know what, I've got this mortgage. Should I pay off my house early because we've got extra cash flow or savings to allow this to happen? If you're in your 40s, early 50s, and you're, you know, don't really have a lot of retirement assets amassed right then, then what I'm going to tell you is no. You don't want to pay off your house early. What you want to do is take a look at the allocation on different investments, you know, with your financial plan, financial advisor, and come up with a way to maximize the contributions so that, yeah, you're paying some interest going to the bank as far as carrying that mortgage. But at the same time, it will allow you to take cash flow today and gradually over time continue to build up your retirement savings because the day is going to come 10, 15 years later when now the work's going to stop and the income's going to stop. But by that time, your house will likely already be paid off just by going through the general mortgage payment process. But now you've also amassed kind of a big nest egg that will be able to support you in retirement. Now, where that's different is, let's say somebody is nearing retirement or already in retirement and we have excess savings or cash on the side. Then I'm going to absolutely tell you in most instances, it makes sense to pay it off rather than carry debt. And a good example is, let's say you're paying you know, 6% on your mortgage then I'm going to say, do you have anything in your portfolio that guarantees you a 6% return? And of course, they're going to say, no, you know, not in this interest rate environment, nothing risk-free that guarantees me 6%. Well, then we can save 6% by not sending it to the bank. Now, why that's different than the earlier example is that as you're approaching, and especially in retirement, it's all about cash flow. So it's all about how much money's coming in on a daily, monthly, weekly, annual basis to help pay for your retirement expenses on a go forward basis. So in that instance, we don't want to be sending some of that income we have just paying interest to the bank. What we want to do is be able to utilize those funds for ourselves. 
So if you're in your 40s, early 50s, the focus should be on growing your retirement savings and contributing more and just throw a little bit of money at interest at the bank because that allows you to kind of take care of gradually paying down the mortgage as well as going into, you know, paying down the mortgage and saving for retirement. As we get closer to needing cash flow towards retirement, then we use those resources to pay off the house so that we don't carry this debt. We can actually just pay the bills with regular income coming in. All right, Michael, let's have another discussion now on Roth conversions. Now, I know a lot of folks out there maybe have heard that term, but maybe they don't know what it means. Could you explain that for us and then kind of go through whether it's a good idea to do a Roth conversion or not? Absolutely. So what a Roth conversion is, there's two different types of IRAs. One's called a traditional IRA. That's all pre-tax money, kind of thing like your 401k at work. And then there is a Roth IRA. And a Roth IRA uses money that you've already paid a tax on, but now all of a sudden, since you've already paid tax, whatever happens to that account, whatever it grows to is completely tax free going forward. So whether you should do, and we mentioned it kind of earlier in uh, both our mailbag and the headline, is whether it makes sense for Roth conversions or not. That means taking money out of your pre-tax accounts, your traditional IRAs and 401ks, and transferring chunks of that into the Roth IRA. That's converting it basically from pre-tax to after-tax. So what that really means is, you know, any money that we take from those pre-tax to the tax-free bucket, we have to pay tax. Kind of think of like a toll bridge. We've got to pay a tax on that money as it's coming out in order to get it in that tax-free bucket. Whether it makes sense for you to do it or not is one, what are the current tax rates right now? Do we think the tax rates in the future are going to be higher or lower than what we would pay today? If we think that tax rates are going to go up and we would be taxed at a higher rate in the future, it might make sense to pay, if we could pay 12 cents on the dollar in federal income tax today, rather than 15 or 18 in the future, well, then that makes sense. The second reason it might make sense is for somebody that says, you know what, I know I got to pay tax on this money today. I have no idea what future tax rates are going to be, but I'm going to let this money continue to grow another five, 10 plus years. So that way, even though you pay a little bit of tax today on that money, all the growth going forward is going to be completely tax free for you. So that'll make up for the fact that you paid taxes because when you take that larger sum out in the future, it's going to wind up being tax free for you. So once again, everybody's situation is going to be a little bit unique based on household income and the amount of assets. But in many instances, it definitely makes sense to consider a Roth conversion as long as we have an anticipation of tax rates going higher over the next five to 10 years, which we do. And if we think that we've got that five to 10 year window to let these accounts continue to grow. All right. This is a popular debate, Michael, that a lot of folks have, and that's whether to purchase term life insurance or permanent life insurance. Yeah, the key thing is, you know, a lot of things with term life and permanent life is there's great value in both as long as they're sold correctly. So the difference is, so term life is for something that there's a need that's going to go away. So let's say you're 40 years old, you've got two kids, they've got college coming up in the next five or 10 years, there's a mortgage on the house and all these kind of things. So that's a great example of why you need term life insurance. Term is really cheap insurance. It's cheap because the insurance company doesn't think you're going to die. So that's why it's dirt cheap. So, but the purpose of it is you go out and get a million dollar term life insurance for you know 75 bucks a month or something like that. So that in the event that something were to happen to you, your husband or wife will now get a lump sum that they'll be able to pay off the mortgage, which will help with their cash flow since you're no longer around. They'll be able to pay for the kid's college so they don't have to go in deep student loan debt and pay off any other liabilities and possibly create an income stream bridging until that surviving spouse is basically retirement age. So that's the purpose of term life. Term life is I have these obligations now 
but in 10, 15, 20 years, I won't have these same financial obligations. So that's why you buy dirt cheap term insurance. It's just to bridge that time frame. But it goes away at the end of that term. That's why it's so cheap. Permanent life insurance is something that there's a permanent need that I need insurance for. Good example is I'm going into retirement and I don't have you know any debts. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have anything like that. But I want to make sure I'm leaving the church or my kids or someone else $250,000 or half a million dollars as a legacy so that you're not worried about what you're doing and spending on your own personal retirement assets because you know that life insurance is going to take care of that kind of end game thing for you. you know. Now, permanent life insurance also has some other, you can get a tax-free income, there's liquidity, there's a variety of other things that you can do, but keeping it really simple, term life or permanent? Term life means that the need is going to go away before the end of that term. Permanent insurance means that there's a permanent amount of money, hence why it's more expensive, that you want to have that insurance even if you live to 90, 95, 115. All right, Michael, I know we talk often on this podcast about social security, Today on the podcast, I want to talk about when you should take it. Some folks say you should delay it and put it off, get a bit of bigger benefit later, and others say you should start it earlier. Which side of that debate do you fall on? So the, the consensus is if you wait till 70, that's the maximum benefit for Social Security you'll get. So you get somewhere between 24 to 32% more than if you just waited till 66 or 67, which would normally be your full retirement age. Now, Social Security actually allows you to take it as early as 62 but you're going to get somewhere between 35 to 25% less than what that big number that Social Security says you're going to get at your full retirement age. But really, you know, whether you put it off, we have clients that take Social Security at 62, you know, right or wrong, everybody's situation is a little bit different. We have some clients that take the discounted amount of Social Security at 62 for their own reasons, or maybe it makes sense in their plan. And we have other clients that wait till 66, 67, 70. The key thing here is when we have that Social Security maximization conversation with clients about, hey, here's how based on your financial plan, when and how we're going to take Social Security, it's based on coordinating that with all the other assets that they have. Do they have a pension? How is their savings? Do they have other retirement assets? How are we going to have an income stream between Social Security and all these other assets? How are we going to create an income stream that we can't outlive over the next 30 years of retirement? So, you know, it's not quite as easy as should you take it earlier or should you wait? It's how does Social Security as an income source coordinate with all the other things that you have? And finally, Michael, long-term care is an important issue in retirement. I know healthcare, really in general, is an important issue. It's only getting more expensive as the years go by. Is long-term care insurance something that you should consider purchasing or not? If you have the financial wherewithal to buy long-term care insurance, the answer is absolutely yes. Unfortunately, because of the use it or lose it with long-term care insurance where, you know, you might be paying premiums for 20 years and never use it, you know, so you might have $100,000 tied up in long-term care that you've never gotten any benefit out of, or because of rising premiums over time, you know, you may be able to afford it at 60, but we'd be able to afford it at 70, 75 plus as you're getting closer to actually needing it. That's why a lot of individuals either can't afford or choose not to go with long-term care insurance. So there's a variety of options that you have. Sure, if you can afford it, should you have it? A lot of people, even with that use it or lose it, they'll say, you know, I don't want to throw all that money at insurance, but really you never want to use insurance. If you have life insurance, you don't want to use it. That means you died, right? You know, if you have home or auto, you don't want your house to burn down or your car to, you know, get stolen or wrecked just so you could use the insurance. Long-term care works the same way. Ideally, every person that we offer long-term care insurance to, 
I hope they never have to use it. I hope they live to 95, 100 years old and never have to use it because that just means that they didn't need assisted living care. They didn't need to go on home health care or, you know, or any kind of nursing home scenario. So not using it actually is a benefit, not only financially, but other things. But the reality is that I think there's studies out there. Fidelity came out with one that 65% of individuals, if you say a married couple over 65, there's a 65% chance that at least one of them is going to need health care, uh, at least assisted living, nursing home care between one of the two of them. You know, so it's a 50-50 plus odds that someone within that couple are going to need some sort of care. So rather than drain your own personal savings for the surviving spouse, what you want to do is have some sort of insurance in place to mitigate it. So as we've seen on the podcast today, there's a lot of gray area out there, right? We've talked long-term care insurance. We've talked about whether to buy permanent or term life insurance, Roth conversions or not, paying off the house. All of these debates, there's a lot of gray area. And so much of that is because your financial planning experience has to do with just that, your experience, your unique experience, your set of goals, your needs and where you are financially. And so that's why we always suggest coming in for a visit with Michael Stewart and his team. Michael, what does that look like to come in for a visit at your office? Yeah, uh, typically it's just over, you know, you initially come in, we call it our discovery meeting, which is, it's really more of a fit meeting. You come in, we don't talk about statements and balances and, you know, what stocks and bonds you own and things. What we actually talk about is what are you doing now? What are you trying to do? Are you on track to do that? And if you're not, are there ways that we can kind of fill those gaps or, you know, provide value in a relationship? And the key thing and what we tell everybody right at the beginning is, you know, don't pay us for the products, the access to stocks, bonds, mutual funds, index funds, those kind of things. What you pay us for is the advice that you're getting. So much to your point that you had mentioned just before, kind of you know, leading into this is there's so many other moving parts that are outside of the investments, tax planning, financial planning, insurance planning, Roth conversions, controlling taxes, what type of insurance do you need, term, permanent, when to take social security, that's the value of having a financial advisor that kind of looks at the whole picture. It's not, you know, what products are they going to wind up selling you? So pay for the advice, don't pay for the product. And that's really how we're structured. We come in for that discovery fit meeting. If we're a good fit, we say, hey, great, let's put a plan together. Here's how much it costs. You know, it's going to transpire over the next two to three meetings. And then at the end, you get a financial plan that either you can implement with us, and we'll talk about what that looks like, or you can take that plan and implement it on your own. But either way, now you have a roadmap on how to be successful. And all these little questions that are hanging out there all get answered for you in that process. First step to coming in for a visit is just to give us a call. That's all you have to do. Reach out to Michael Stewart and his team at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Hey, you can have a conversation over the phone as well if that's easier. But regardless, you got to reach out and call. The number is 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. Come in for a visit. Get a complimentary review of your situation. Get answers to your financial questions. Just call that number, 815-526-3092. Well, Michael, as always, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Have a great day, Mark. Yep, we'll do it again next time on another edition of Retirement Facts. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, 
you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation, and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof.